welcome friends i'm glad you found us i am your host jesse and welcome to the first ever episode of scandal abroad we are the three random fact podcast and i each week i discussed a different country's most famous person what they are best at also known as their international number ones and then their most famous scandal or news story or murder whatever i choose to decide this is my first time doing this so all the research that i'm doing is for me and just a disclaimer um these are all just based on random personal findings i've found online i'm in no way a professional but i like to talk so here we are um yes i fact checked these stories to the best of my ability and i'm sure that there are more famous people than the ones that we've chosen on our list from each country that's on our list and then also our at category what they're best at their international number ones is based on a map of international number ones from a website titled informationisbeautiful.net then our most famous scandal stories are ones that i just personally found interesting and i would like to retell to our audience so i have chose to do basically a podcast report on them so uh here we are for our first country i have chosen to do canada the neighbors to the north of the united states so we will get into it and i'm going to tell you the who most what most and the scandalous of canada and i will then try not to bore you with these stories so the most famous person i chose when looking at it is the man with the plan justin bieber which comes to a shock because i know there's other famous canadians like drake or wayne gretzky um but i felt like justin bieber is a good one to do so We've done Bieber, and then for our product, on our international number one, Canada is most known for donut shops. And then for our scandalous case, I have chosen the case of Kimberly Rogers. Awesome. So Justin Bieber, Canada's sweetheart. Let's get into it. His hometown is Stratford, Ontario, Canada. His years active are 2007, shout out to my high school graduation year, till the present and his nationality is canadian of course so justin drew bieber j drew little biebs the belieber is a professional songwriter professional singer and not really professional actor but he is the best so march 1st 1994 justin came into the world he was born in london ontario he was a teen pop phenom and exploded onto the mainstream music scene in the summer of 2009 after first becoming a YouTube sensation. If memory serves me correctly, someone told me that Justin sang a song to Usher, one of Usher's songs, and Usher knew from there that he had something special. So that is how he got the ball rolling. He soon released a string of hit singles from a quick succession. It's a very big success of top-selling albums. The first artist to have five number one records on the Billboard album chart before his 19th birthday. And that is pretty sweet because I don't know if you're like me, but my 19th birthday was not celebrated that way. He consolidated his popularity with music videos concert films, television appearances, and global touring, as well as causing some mischief along the way, like 
throwing eggs, peeing, getting caught filmed peeing in mopping buckets. Um, just, I don't know, sort of being a young Madonna, if one will. But have no fear. His fans call him Beliebers, and they have made him a social media superstar. Though he has received some highly critical, less admiration or less admirable, you know what I mean. His less admired by his music critics. Though he has sold more than 15 million albums, won many Canadian and international awards, including multiple Juno awards and a Grammy, as well as the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal, which I assume is like the Willy Wonka chocolate bar, the gold one. Though, throughout his career, Bieber has sold an estimated of 140 records and is one of the best-selling music artists globally to date, which is cool because, you know, you have what, Shania Twain, I believe, is from Canada, Drake is from Canada, as well as other people, um, but it's pretty cool. Good to you, Justin. So in 2011, Bieber was honored with a star in front of the Avon Theatre in Ontario, Canada, where he used to busk when he was little, which I mean, think means he used to, I don't know, do talent shows or whatever. I don't know, beg, ask for money. No, um, but yes, I digress. An, ex an exhibit on Bieber's earlier Canadian career opened in his hometown of Stratford in Ontario last February in 2018 at the Stratford Perth Museum. And the internet has told me Offering, they offered a collection of mementos from his formative years and his rise to international stardom. And the exhibit was originally called Steps to Stardom. An interesting fact that kind of caught my attention and kind of perked my ears a little bit was the Steps to Stardom exhibit was originally scheduled to close in October 2018, but the board of the museum extended its stay for at least another year after the exhibit broke attendance records that were previously set by... Anne Frank's house exhibit in 2015, which is a pretty big accomplishment, though he did cause some mischief at Anne Frank's museum in Germany, I believe. Uh, nonetheless, in November 12, Bieber was presented with the Queen Elizabeth II, the second Diamond Jubilee Medal by the Prime Minister of Canada, Stephen Harper, which, I don't know, I've never been presented by a medal by somebody that has the word prime and minister, you know what I mean, in it. But that is pretty cool. Bieber now is residing back in Canada with his wife, Haley. Um, oh my gosh, why can't I remember her name? It is um, Haley something, Haley Baldwin. That's what it is. One of the Baldwin's daughters. Um, and yeah, I don't know. They're living happily ever after. You know what I'm talking about? Um I will post some pictures of a young Bieber and a current Bieber on my Instagram, which you can check out in the bio of the podcast, of this episode, I should say. Sweet. So category number two is the best at, also known as our international number ones. What is Canada best at? And our faithful map over at informationisbeautiful.com says that Canada is the best at Donut shops per capita, concentration of any country in the world, with Japan at a close second. So, what does that mean? What I was able to look up 
was over 10 billion donuts are made in the U.S. each year. Canada produces 1 billion less per year. Fewer donuts than the United States. But with its lower population, actually has the most donut shops per capita concentration of any country in the world, which I thought was pretty cool. And then I guess what I would believe is their most famous you know, locally funded or founded a donut shop is um, a company called Tim Hortons. And it was founded in May 17, 1964 by none other than Tim Horton himself. But I believe he had a couple other friends where did they get their start? They got their start in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And yeah, it's a multinational fast food restaurant known for its coffee and donuts. It is also Canada's largest quick serve restaurant chain. And it has 4,613 restaurants in 14 countries. And it is headquarters in Oakville, Ontario, Canada. So props to you. Canada for being the number one donut-loving country, and props to the Canadian hockey player, Tim Horton, for starting such a cool thing. I will also be posting up the Canada's donut capital, cities with the largest search volume in the past 12 months, thanks to Google, and then I will also be um, posting an image of each of Canada and the Providence's, each province's favorite donut, so be sure to check that out. The link will be in the bio. Last but not least, we are finally here. The scandal of Canada. So, Kimberly Rogers, she was born 1961 and she passed away August 9th, 2001. She was a Canadian woman whose death in 2001 while under house arrest for a dispute of welfare fraud conviction caused extensive controversy around Ontario Works, which is also known as the Ontario government's welfare system. Kimberly's death led to an inquest which recommended significant changes to the Ontario welfare system. So all of this that I got is from Wikipedia, so thankful. And then I went back and fact-checked and got a couple different sources and just kind of compared and saw whose stories matched up and which ones didn't, and then just kind of rolled with it. So. Let's go. Kimberly Rogers was a resident of Sudbury, Canada, and she was receiving standard Ontario welfare benefits, which was $520 per month while paying $450 per month in rent. From 1996 to 1999, she also received a total of $49,000 in student loans from the Ontario Student Assistance Program to study social services at the city's Cambrian College, which that's pretty good, right? She graduated with a grade point average of 3.5. So that is even better. Good job, Miss Rogers. When Miss Rogers first began her studies, she received both welfare and student loans and they were legal. It was legal. But the practice was banned in 1996, which I can't tell you what month because I don't have it but by the progressive conservation government of Mike Harris as part of its welfare reform legislation. 
Rogers continued to receive both welfare and student loans after the principal, uh, after, I'm sorry, after the practice became illegal. There is no evidence that she was ever informed of the change in regulations, which I think is pretty much safe to say is hearsay. In the fall of 1999, the welfare office learned about Kimberly's student loans and ordered her to repay $13,486.00 in benefits, which that's, I don't have that lying around. I hope you do. With the overpayment automatically deducted from her monthly welfare check, Rogers was left, um, I wrote down 18, but I also read somewhere, said maybe like $13 each month she had left after paying rent, as well as she was facing criminal charges for welfare fraud, all while that was happening. So we jump into the trial. On April 25th, 2001, Kimberly pleads guilty to fraud before Justice Greg Rogers, same name, no relations, um, of the Ontario Court of Justice. Justice Rogers stated that she had engaged in almost four years of deception and dishonesty, and he was quoted saying, I am satisfied you did not lead in a exuberant lifestyle, even though these two sources of income. Um, and that was in his verdict. That's what he said. But then he was also quoted saying, but welfare is there for people who need it, not for those who want it, who want things, and who want money. Rogers, who was pregnant at the time of her trial, she was sentenced to six months on house arrest, and she was permitted to leave the house for medical, religious, or shopping reasons only on Wednesday mornings for a maximum of three hours. She was also ordered to repay the full amount of her overpayment. With the fraud conviction, Ontario Works suspended her welfare benefits for three months. While she was on house arrest, she had no source of income, as, you know, she's severely pregnant. Her landlord um, temporarily agreed to help with her, to work with her and reduce her rent to $300 a month from the previous four or 500, um, 450 that it was. So, community groups such as the Elizabeth Fry Society and the Social Planning Council of Greater Sudbury rallied to find food and financial assistance for Miss Rogers, which is pretty cool, you know what I mean? Because it takes a village to raise um, a Kimberly Rogers. Her doctor lobbied the government to have drug benefits, which had previously been covered by welfare reinstated because Rogers was unable to pay for her prescribed medications, which also included um, some antidepressants and then drugs to alleviate pregnancy-related nausea from a baby. So a lovely Detroit, a lovely Toronto lawyer, I'm sorry, I don't know why I said Detroit, um, Sean Dewart, Dewart launched a constitutional appeal on Rogers' behalf, which was pretty dope. Successfully having Rogers' welfare suspension reversed by Justice Gloria Epstein Stein. On May 31st, 2001, Epstein ruled that for a member of our community, and by of ours, I mean Canada, carrying an unborn child to be homeless and deprived of basic substance in a situation that would adversely affect the public, its dignity, its human rights, its commitments, and it's health care resources. I promise I can read. My eyes are just not on my head right now. So, huh, what happened? Um, from May 
to August. You know what I mean? What happened? How did she, how did it, why did it take so long? Because on August 11, 2001, Kimberly Rogers' body was found decomposing in her apartment by her boyfriend, Terry. That is pretty traumatic, if I do say so myself, because she was eight months pregnant and she had been dead for several days in an apartment without air conditioning. At the time, Sudbury was suspect to a record-breaking heat wave with six days of temperatures over 30 degrees Celsius during the week of her death, which I looked up for you fine folks, and that's, I think, 86 degrees roughly, um, which is something. Um, so, I live in San Diego, and weather's not that, is not a thing here, so that's the worst part of San Diego. Um, but fear no more, a formal inquest, which is a something I had to look up, a judicial inquiry to assertion to ascertain the facts re- relating to an incident such as a death. So a formal inquest was convened, 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 it happened, that's all I know, in October 2002. And strangely enough, this is where it definitely gets... Uh, more interesting, the plot thickens. On the first day of the inquest, it was informed that the actual cause of Kimberly Rogers' death was a suicide by a overdose of amitriptyline, if I said that correctly. I pardon for my grammar. And that Rogers may have altered her antidepressant uh, prescriptions to ensure that she had a significant supply of medication to constitute a lethal overdose. However, They were asked to review the impact of the government's welfare fraud policy on Roger's decision to commit suicide. And let's fast forward a little bit. On December 19, 2002, the jury delivered its decision. The first recommendation was that the lifetime suspension of benefits should be eliminated, eliminated. Temporary suspension, though, would still be permitted as a penalty, but could no longer be imposed retroactively on a person whose fraud conviction predated the adoption of the legislation, so i.e. Kimberly Rogers. The data also indicated that suspension and or prosecution should not be necessary should not necessarily be automatic, but each case should be evaluated by the Ontario Works Administrators and the stakeholder committee to determine the most appropriate response to the individual situation. On top of that, the jury ruled that drug benefits should not be suspended even when regular benefits were. The Ontario Works should make more an effort to uncover fraud situations earlier so that the penalties have less emotional and financial impact on the recipient and that the government should review the adequacy of social assistance rates, which were, until then, had not been raised since the Harris government cut the rates to five twenty per month in 1996. As well, the jury made several recommendations to other government ministries, which had a very, very profound um, influence on kind of human rights in Canada today, which is kind of cool. 
One of them was that they ruled that the government had a responsibility to ensure that a person under house arrest had access to adequate shelter, food, and medication, as well as an obligation to help individuals on probation or parole locate their appropriate community services to assist their adjustment back into society, which I can tell you, we need some of that over here. They also recommended improving communication between the government departments in response to evidence that Justice Rogers had not known that a fraud conviction would lead to the suspension of Kimberly Rogers' benefits and clearer communication to citizens of both the definition and the potential consequences of welfare fraud, which is kind of interesting because you're telling me that this judge, Judge Justice, um, handed out a, a verdict and didn't know that the outcome of it that it would have on people like Miss Rogers, which is kind of crazy, you know? Let's keep moving along. The jury also recommended several improvements in the province's medical system to prevent potential abuse, including the creation of a computer database network to improve pharmacies' access to a patient's prior prescription records. Doctors would also be asked to write out prescriptions in both number and text in order to reduce the possibility of prescriptions being altered and to review the use of antidepressants, such as Tricycle, triclinical, trilical, whatever. You know what I mean. So what is the aftermath as we head into this end? The government of Ernie Eves did not implement any of the Rogers inquest recommendations before it was defeated in 2003 provincial election, provincial, yeah, their election. You know what I mean? Community and social services minister Brenda Elliott dismissed the recommendations as unnecessary tinkering with a system that is working effectively. Oh my gosh. I am blown away by that because, you know, she probably is not on that plan, which is, I think that should be talked about too, is the people that are deciding on the things of these plans, deciding how these, these government benefits and stuff like that are handed out and allotted, they don't even know how they work, which is kind of crazy. Um, because, you know, someone should have experience in that. Not saying go hire someone that's been in it or still in it, but, you know, just taking that into consideration. In early 2004, the government of Dalton McGinty implemented a 3% increase in welfare rates to be followed by an annual cost of living increase and eliminated the lifetime suspension of benefits. However, the government never implemented most of the inquest's other recommendations as the Social Planning Council of Greater Sudbury Chair... Janet Gasparini, who had been a prominent media commentator, commentator in the Rogers case when it was happening, was elected to the Greater Sudbury City Council in 2003 municipal election. So where is everything today? We are still looking into it, but let me tell you this. That is the case of Miss Kimberly Rogers. Awesome. So that does it for our first episode ever of Scandal Abroad. Thank you so much for listening and bearing with me as I stumbled through this. Please join us again next week as we look at the three random facts of Mexico. And also be sure to follow us on all social medias, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also click on the link in the bio to get to our website and check out what other countries we're interviewing for this season and when our next live show is. But until then, I'll see you later. Okay, bye.